Behind the closed doors of the UFC war room, Dana and the matchmakers painstakingly try week after week to book the most entertaining fights, but also ones that are a sufficient challenge for both competitors. However, there have been several times where the UFC have had a star on their hands, and instead of finding them an opponent of equal skill level, they've brought in brand new people to the UFC just to make their debuts like feeding them to a hungry rancor. I'm Bailey, and from MMA On Point, here are the MMA Hall of Famers who helped make this content possible, and these are 10 UFC fighters who were brought in to lose. Number 10, Lando Venata vs. Tony Ferguson. Are we already that far gone in UFC history that I need to remind everyone of just how good Tony Ferguson was back in 2016? What's up, fuckers? <laughs> if you don't remember, El Kakui had just beaten Edson Barboza, which made it a seven-fight win streak, and three fight of the nights and three performance bonuses in a row. He'd already been booked to fight Habib twice, but they'd both fallen through. And when top 10 lightweight Michael Chiesa got injured just two weeks out, the UFC called upon groovy Lando Venata to take his place. Not to be confused with Lando Calrissian, and yeah, that's two Star Wars references already. You son of a bitch. Now, if Lando had kept winning, he probably would have got a chance in the UFC anyway, but there was no way in hell he was being brought in to be anything other than a person for Tony to add to his win streak. Everybody thinks he's crazy and wild, but he does the same stuff every single time. So I think he's predictable. I'll take anybody, anytime, anywhere. Groovy surprised everyone when he gave Tony arguably his toughest fight of the entire win streak so far and absolutely deserved every dollar of that 50k bonus he got for a short notice appearance. It played out how it was supposed to in this one, but hey, Lando got a UFC contract and seven years later, he's still in the promotion. Number nine, Tristan Connolly versus Michelle Pereira. Someone as ridiculous and entertaining as Michelle Pereira was probably always going to get in the UFC. He just needed to keep winning as well as flipping around the cage. And when he danced to the octagon and trebucheted his knee into Danny Roberts' chin, I imagine Dana and the team had a little dance of their own backstage to celebrate their new Brazilian wonder boy. But his next opponent pulled out with an injury, and on short notice, UFC called upon the Canadian Tristan Connolly, best known for his motion capture work on the UFC video games. I do a mocap for uh, the UFC games a lot as well, so uh, when they do mocap, I'm, I'm their main guy for doing mocaps. Wait, so where are you right now? I'm in I'm at EA Sports in oh, Vancouver. Wow, so, so you have like your own office there or they just let you No, they they just set me up. He was a massive underdog in the face of mixed martial arts answer to Robin. All I can think about every second of the day is getting two faced. And he looked scared for his life almost every second of that fight. But unlike most people on this list, he stayed in there and found a way to beat the new Brazilian prospect through hard work and basically because Pereira thought he could actually backflip his way to victory. Tristan was not supposed to win that one. I mean MMA junkie actually gave it upset of the year. As a little cherry on top, Michelle missed weight, so Tristan got 30% of his purse and his share of the 50,000 bonus for fight of the night. Holy cheddar cheese, Batman. Tristan didn't, however, win any more fights and was kicked out of the UFC shortly afterwards. Number eight, Val Woodburn versus Bo Nickel. Who the hell even is Val Woodburn? Well, that was a question most of us were asking before UFC 290, especially because for the first time ever, at least as far as I can remember, there were four fights, not three, featured on the countdown show because Bo Nickel was on the card and he's the new hotness and shit, they they wanted to promote him, but he was supposed to fight Treshawn Gore, who pulled out with an injury during fight week. He's had now as many fights cancelled as he's actually fought in the UFC. But back to the question of who is Val Whitburn? Oh man, it's crazy. I'm, I, I think I'm in a dream right now. <laughs> well, nobody knew, but some people were kind of secretly hoping he'd show up and spoil the Bo Nickel birthday party. Oh, oh, oh. 
The guy was 7-1, but none of his opponents really had very good records. And for sure, Val was pretty much a pure striker. He was supposed to be on the Contender Series in August. But as long as Bo didn't get wild and trade with him, it seemed like it was going to be an easy win. Can't eat too many of those. It's a wrap. So they threw him a contract. And Bo actually probably made it look even easier than most people thought it was going to be. I really expected to have 10 fights before I even got into the UFC. And now I'm 5-0 with 2-0 in the UFC. Five finishes, all first round. Did not see that coming, but here we are. Number seven, Sean Gannon versus Brandon Lee Hinkle. Now, this one is very much a product of its time. Some of you will probably have heard of Sean Gannon. He's come up on this channel before. He's the guy that got a UFC shot for beating Kimbo Slice in a street fight. I say beating, it depends on whose side you're on, really. Either way, you might think, well, Bailey, and if this guy beat Kimbo Slice, wouldn't they want to promote him and make him into a star? Well, no, not in 2005. In 2005, the UFC were very much more down with the idea of showing that, hey, everyone's watching street fights on YouTube, and boy, aren't they great. But that's not real fighting. Right here in the Octagon, this is real fighting. Fighting in the street is not the way to get into the UFC. We do not condone street fighting, and we're not looking for any guys that are coming off the streets. <laughs> Kimbo sucks. I mean, how else to explain the fact they gave him Brandon Lee Hinkle, a two-time Division II wrestling champion with 19 pro fights and an eight-fight win streak. Pounding away! Pounding Tony away! He's got to move. He's got to get out of there. How much can Sour take? It's not over. Stop the fight! Sean was 1-0, okay? If they wanted to promote him, they could have, at the very least, given him a striker to bang it out against. But no, they didn't. They pretty much just brought him in to get taken down and absolutely split open like a tin of baked beans. And that's what happened. Number six, Patrick Cummins versus Daniel Cormier. The rise of DC was pretty impressive to see in the UFC. At first, nobody but hardcores really knew who he was, but it was supposed to be like the next big thing. And then he started beating all these UFC heavyweights and it was like, oh, okay, well, this guy's clearly light years ahead of this division. I thought Frank and Roy were good. When did everyone get so old and shit? Probably a bit harsh. Ah! My hands are tied. Uh I gotta fire you. But when the news broke he was going to light heavyweight and he was going to fight Rashad Evans, it was pretty exciting. But Sugar got injured, it was supposed to be rebooked, but Dan said, if you can find me a guy, I'd rather stay on the card and fight. And find him a guy they did. Let's go out there and get the best opponent we can. How about Patrick Cummins? He works in a coffee shop. He'll do. I tell, I tell everybody that the heart, the heart latte was my specialty. I mean, to be fair, Patrick was only 4-0 in MMA, but he trained with some top guys like Mohamed Dewal and Jason Miller, and he was an old wrestling partner of Daniels, so there was actually a story to sell. And I hear about this kid, Cummins, and claims that when he would train with Cormier, he would make Cormier cry. I know all Daniels' weaknesses. I know that I can push him and he will break. Things that happen in that wrestling room stay in the wrestling room. So not only have you crossed the line, you've completely put yourself in my crosshair. So he got a co-main event at the UFC pay-per-view in his debut, but ultimately it was just a chance for Daniel to squash the little bit of beef they had, get a spectacular first-round finish, and basically just prove he could make 205, to be honest. Pat wasn't on the same level as DC. He was a minus 1,125 favorite, but Pat did go on a three-fight win streak after that and ended up sticking around for another five years. Pat, it's good to see you and the stash. This is, it's a source of power. Number five, Reese McKee versus Hamzat Chemaev. Well, I talked about feeding hungry rancors at the start, but what about feeding hungry wolves? Because despite only waiting until now to get a fight in 2023, you could not have found a guy more excited to fight when he joined the UFC than Hamzat Chemaev. He was so pumped from his first UFC win, he demanded another fight immediately while the UFC was still in Abu Dhabi 
Rugby and so Dana scrambled to find him someone. Now maybe Reese McKee was about to get called up to the UFC anyway, but he wasn't a Cage Warriors champion. In fact, he only had one fight at welterweight. The rest were at 155 and he'd had a tough few losses as well. Still, he answered the call to fight Hamzat on the quickest turnaround between UFC fights, which honestly, mate, should have been an indication that this guy is pretty mental. There's not many other ways to slice it. Hamzat needed an opponent and the UFC pulled Reese in to lose. Boars absolutely wiped the canvas with him and then after one more loss, they sent McKee back to Cage Warriors. But since then, he's won the Cage Warriors belt and is now booked to make a UFC return. Swings and roundabouts. Number four, Elia Latifi versus Gegard Mousasi. In the middle of the Strikeforce MMA boom, the light heavyweight division was popping and the Never Neverlandian Gegard Mousasi was on a 14-fight win streak when he finally lost the championship to King Mo. From there, he jumped ship to Dream where he won another world title. Mousasi's going to try and seek the charge. Which made it four belts in major promotions and a record of 33 and 3. That's when he finally signed a contract to join the UFC. Now, he was going to fight Alexander Gustafsson, who was on a six fight win streak. He was about to fight for the title. It was going to happen in freaking Sweden. Uh, it was an amazing fight, but of course, Alex had to pull out. He got a cut in training just four days before the event. And that's when Alex suggested his training partner, Ilir Latifi, might have been the guy that gave him the cut. Who knows? But considering they didn't have much choice, they basically said, F it. They signed Ilir to the UFC with the sole purpose of of throwing him in the main event against the super champ Musasi so the card didn't fall apart. They had absolutely no stake in Latifi's career and he was essentially just brought in to lose to Gegard. It wasn't a bad fight and Ilir became a staple of that division. Number three, Daryl Horcher versus Habib Namagamadov. The only real criticism of Habib's world championship potential in 2016 was the fact that his only significant win in the whole division was over Rafael Dos Anjos and that had been two years ago. Habib got injured and sat out for a good long while and to be fair, in that time, RDA became champion. So Habib coming off a big layoff, desperately needed a win against a name that would help catapult him back up the ranks and make up for all that lost time. But do things ever work out in MMA? Well, only if you're Dana White's bank account. It was finally time to try and make Habib Tony 2 for the second time. But after Fergie pulled out with a long issue, there was very little time to find a new opponent. His timeline's a little bit different than mine. Not saying he doesn't want to fight, but I'm a very scary opponent for his division. So the UFC brought in a complete newbie in the form of Daryl Horcher. Daz had been winning on the regional scene, but against guys who don't even have Wikipedia pages and really was unfortunately nothing more than a tune-up fight for Habib coming back off a layoff. The fight could not have been more one-sided. Porcher ended up going one and three in the UFC and losing to Habib is basically all that he's known for. I mean, that was enough to get him a fight in Eagle FC where he got KO'd in 30 seconds. Number two, James Tony versus Randy Couture. Okay, so I get the whole marketing campaign for this one was can boxing beat MMA? What sport is better? And of course, nobody who watched MMA thought James Tony had any anything but a puncher's chance and that was only if Randy just walked towards him with cement bricks attached to his feet so he couldn't move with both hands tied behind his back. But we can't pretend that the Dark Emperor, yeah that was one of his nicknames, wasn't there to be anything but a walking mixed martial arts commercial, a piece of combat sports propaganda meant to either shit on boxing and all the bad takes the community had given about MMA or just to show the boxing fans that hey, even a former heavyweight champion can't do shit if he doesn't know anything about wrestling or jiu-jitsu. It was, of course, Tony's debut, and it was brought into the promotion to sell pay-per-views and get humiliated by Captain America like a Marvel supervillain. 
only usually they put up a fight. Number one, Mickey Gall and Mike Jackson versus CM Punk. Okay, well, it might be shocking to see this as number one on this list, but try and argue with this logic. They had a celebrity pro wrestler on their hands who was joining the UFC because he wanted to see if he could actually fight. But the problem was he had zero fights, absolutely none, and there was no way the UFC could give him anyone on the actual roster. Punk would not have stood a chance. And I'm not trying to be mean, he just didn't have any experience. So what did the UFC do? They brought in a 1-0 pro in the form of Mickey Gall and an O&O MMA journalist by the way of Mike Jackson and they got to fight each other for the honor of being CM Punk's first real opponent. Now I'm not going to lie, it was probably a massive red flag when Gall easily dusted Mike in just 45 seconds, but they weren't trying to turn blow your mind Mickey into a star. They just wanted to give the Punk someone, anyone he could beat, but he couldn't beat him. Mickey actually turned out to be pretty good and had a fairly decent UFC run. Next they gave Punk Mike, the guy who lost to the guy you brought in to lose Surely he could beat that guy, right? Unfortunately, the answer was no. Mike outpointed him and outclassed him, which is saying a lot considering what Gould did to him. And then it was overturned because of Mary Jane. No. Good old marijuana, saving CM Punk from having a completely losing record. All right, shout out to Luke for editing this video. He's not here today again as well. I blame the British train system. Either that or he just didn't get up in the morning. He does look quite sleepy sometimes, especially on the podcast. Sometimes I think he's asleep. No disrespect to any of these fighters, of course. They all got into the UFC and fought for a reason. You know, this was just an interesting look at some fighters that were brought in against opponents that they perhaps were sort of unskilled against. Anyway, you want to do it again? I'll smack you in the dick. Also, I didn't mean Frank Mir and Roy Nelson were shit, okay? They just used to be really good, and then DC made them look just really old because DC was just amazing, you know what I mean? Anyway, if you did enjoy this one, a thumbs up is appreciated. Click subscribe if you want to see more. Also, shout out to our channel champions as well. Those are the top tier of our supporters. Lots of you have started to support us, and we really appreciate it. It is very much needed mate okay because we're leaking cash in this office the building's about to burn down the lights are gonna go out i need money okay i'm poor as fuck okay i can't pay my tax help me out okay you get the two podcast episodes a week you get access to the writers meeting there's a bunch of other stuff going on so thank you to everyone who's joined and thank you to the channel champions comment down below who do you thought was brought in to lose who do you think i missed out some of you are going to probably have some answers that are wrong it's fine tell me in the comments i will ignore you i won't really just tell me it's fine anyway appreciate you see you in the next one